Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers, the first serves in-depth look at the art and science of playing the game. Welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm Mark Spavors from The Tennis Menu, and we are brought to you by The Tennis Menu, where for only a minimal amount of $99, you can receive an online tennis coach with all your tennis drills, 600 of them to be exact, the coaching tips, blogs, the latest in the game, stats from the greatest data analyst the country has ever seen and he's going global his name is shane leonage from data driven sports analytics he is the man that every single week brings us the best numbers that you could possibly get your hands on and obviously utilize to improve your game of tennis and shane thanks for joining us obviously you are the busiest man to catch and i say it every week but you are you're, you're hard to catch you've got that many players playing on the tour you're up all night you're studying you're tweeting you're doing different things all over the place. You're at Cricket Australia. You're just everywhere. You are the everywhere man, and I thank you so much again for your time. Thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to drop drop dead one of these days, but uh, <laughs> uh, until then, I, uh, I'm loving what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, great to be involved in, in a number of sports, but, uh, yeah, I do love tennis, so I'm um, very privileged to, to be able to, to work with great coaches like yourself, but, um, but also with various sort of uh, media um, as, as well and, and bringing sort of numbers and making uh, people more aware of tennis and, and the, the, certainly the numbers side of it is a passion of mine. So I'm very happy to do things like this. No, it's awesome. And it's interesting because I was talking to someone about 12 months ago and they said that um, they asked me a question. I work in two sports. I work in AFL and I work in tennis. And they said, what do you see the differences? I said, tennis is about 20 years behind AFL. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, from a numbers perspective, we don't have the numbers in tennis. We don't utilize them as coaches enough. We don't get enough data. We don't get enough vision. And in AFL, it was just in spades. It was almost the opposite way. And then I met you basically, I guess, before that, but started really working a lot more in terms of the last sort of 12 to 18 months. We've done a hell of a lot more in terms of our data. Um, and what we are bringing now is, or seeing now is that the factual information data brings just helps the art of coaching so much more because you're dealing with the facts. And, and what we have seen over the last couple of weeks, months, is the game has changed just slightly, especially from the Roland Garros tournament. And I know last week we dissected the, winner, the winners, Nadal and Sviantec, and the way that they went about it. Today we're going to go through the overall stats and how the environment changed the numbers 
and how players needed to adapt to those numbers, obviously, and adapt to the environment. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the big ones was you know, the courts played slower. I think there's a, been a lot of narrative on that. And um, and I think uh, I saw a Hawkeye sort of statistic um, in the final. I think it was 8% slower, the court, than the previous year. Um, and, and one of the things that I looked at um, as, and was a consequence of this was the duration per point. So how long does an average point sort of play out? And on the men's side, the average point was about 9.6 seconds, which is about a second more than last year. And on the women's, it was 11.1. Um, um, so it just shows that the, then I was sorry, about a, a second and a half more than last year. So it just shows that the conditions had a big influence on on, on the point duration. And that meant an extra sprint effort. That meant, you know, you're chasing the ball a little bit longer in each point and it all adds up. And, and it certainly um, added up to some players who just weren't able to back it up the next round. Yeah, you're 100% correct. I think the um, that point duration did affect a lot of players. There was cramping. There was a few injuries that, that did occur. Um, obviously, it did affect uh, Stefano Stitsipas and it did affect Sophia Kennan in the final. Um, it did affect Novak Djokovic in the in the probably mid rounds where he started to get a sore neck, sore left arm. Was the heaviness of the balls what played a bit of a role? The length of the rallies. So there were a few more injuries and probably were expected. Um, the points were going a lot longer, and and it was more it was hard to win points. You know, it, it was really challenging to win points, especially if you were used to having uh, or obviously tennis is a summer sport, playing in the summer where the game is a lot quicker. It was a lot more challenging to win points, and it did play a or take a massive toll on a lot of players throughout the draw. Yeah, yeah. The one that I, um, and, and you're right, it impacted all those players, but the one that really resonates in my head was Dominic Team. Uh, the the amount of work that he had to do in his match against Hugo Gaston, he just could not back it up. Uh, he played a great match, but he couldn't really play at, in, t- in terms of the intensity that he, we know he can bring when he played Schwartzman and, um, and it just shows you, you, you have to sort of manage your tournament. Um, and the early rounds really do have an impact on, on if you want to go all the way. So um, managing the body is a huge part of it. And I think, uh, yeah, the condition has changed, um, but the players that were able to to adjust with it, so adjusting your equipment, I know Nadal adjusted the string tension um, to, to shorten the points up. And he actually, he, he was almost the same as last year in terms of his average duration of points. And, and, he, and they were just smart enough to make those tweaks. Um, and then and Iga Shriantek, she she bucked the trend in terms of uh, she, she was playing, other, other than Petra Kvitova, she had the shortest duration on points played. So it, it just shows that the players that were able to adapt to the conditions, they did better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really big lesson for coaches and also players out there that are developing because we need to get to the stage where we, we create adaptable players. Now, you know, no, gone are the days where you could be just a one-court specialist. Now, we've seen Nadal winning 13 Roland Garros and people will think he's a, he's a clay court specialist. Well, hang on, he's won on all surfaces. So, you know, it, he's not just a one-court wonder. And I think players like Sviantec and 12 months ago, obviously, Ash Barty winning it at uh, Roland Garros just shows the variety that these players now are, are coming through with. And obviously, projecting forward, I guess it's probably, I'm not sure if it's a data thing as well, but can you see players now, I guess, having more rounded games where they're able to play from the back of the court, they can come forward, they can take their time and space away, they can both absorb power and create power. Is that where the game is going a little bit more than probably what we probably would have imagined maybe four or five years ago? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a clear trend, and, and all the big guys are um, and girls are really a good example that they are winning Grand Slams differently to the way they were winning it ten years ago. Like if you had Nadal from two thousand and five played the Nadal now, they're playing a very different game. Um, we talked about it last week. Let's not sort of dwell on it, but it, um, it, I think yeah, adaptability is a, a key part. Um, the surfaces have converged a little bit. They're all playing a little bit more similar than they did maybe you know, in the 90s. Um, but nonetheless, the, the players that are able to slice, they're able to come to the net, able to hit more than one volley in a row. Um, these are the players that I think the game, um, you know, they're the ones that, that are going to win the Grand Slams going forward. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I know we, we've discussed this as well about the, the whole Roland Garros event. And we have touched on this on last week's show as well. But I want to go through what it would have been like in the different situations that you might have faced at Roland Garros. So, you know, you've played maybe if you're on Philippe Chatrier on, you know, with a roof over your head or whether you were playing outdoors um, where there was obviously in the first week a lot more rain, it was a lot heavier conditions and probably the qualifying event where there was probably slightly more warmth to the air. Was there a, a distinct difference in, in those three environments in terms of stats? And, and what did you find with those three different environments? Yeah, it, it definitely was. And I think um, I'll have to double-check the final numbers, but um, Astra Sharma's serve in the first week of qualities, and it could have been the first or her first or second match, that that top speed on the serve wasn't matched throughout the tournament. And, and, and that's um, partially because I think we had a very, very cold first week and even in the second week, that the temperatures weren't that high, the conditions weren't weren't that quick. Um, um, and and in terms of the outside uh, court experience, I, we we sort of uh, being on the team bondship. There was a, there was a couple of matches where it was rain interrupted, and the conditions significantly changed the moment there was a little bit of moisture. Um, and, and and again, it was sort of forward planning. Um, so having different rackets um, in in your bag just in case a situation like that happens so you can pick that up. So um, it was that. And I think some of the data uh, from the first week um, where there were a lot of more outside courts being used, we actually saw a lot more players come to the net. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I guess watching it from, from I guess, the naked eye, all I could see was because it was heavy, it was raining, the courts were a lot more, I guess, damp. The balls were landing shorter. Obviously, the new balls, the Wilson balls, were a bit harder, a bit more dead. They, were, they weren't traveling through the air as much. So, therefore, the players were able to come forward a lot more in that first week. There is absolutely no doubt, especially on the outside courts where there's no protection. Um, players were actually, you know, getting that short ball coming forward. A lot more net points were actually actually played and won um, because there's obviously, um, you know, the, the, the shot depth was just not, not penetrating enough to be able to keep someone back. So, you know, the, the conditions played a huge role. And we did talk about this a few weeks ago on the show, but Dominic Team and Rafa Nadal in a practice session prior to the event had all their rackets lined up and were literally like trying one and saying yes or no, whether that tension was right or wrong um, and trying to really fine tune what their equipment would be like in the conditions that they were facing. Because at the end of the day, it's about adaptability. You know, tennis throws up so many different situations. You're in a different country. Um, you're at different altitudes, you're at different weather temperatures, there's wind, there's there's the, the heat, there's the cool, there's whatever else there is, humidity, um, and that really affects the ball, it affects the strings, it affects the way you play the match, and you have to be able to adapt to be a good player. And not only that, to be able to sustain success, you need to be able to adapt to 
all the conditions all year round. It's not just being able to play in one area or, or one country or altitude or non-altitude. You've got to be able to play everywhere because it's it's a sport that tra- travels the world and it travels the conditions. One of the other interesting numbers, and we, we talk about this a fair bit on the show, is the uh, the rally sort of lengths and the categories. And you know, we talk about the naught to fours, the five to eights, and the nine plus rally categories. And um, I think sort of talked about the conditions are definitely slower, um, but the interesting part was, yes, there was a reduction in nought to four rallies being played on the, the men's and women's, but it wasn't a huge increase on the nine plus rally category. It just bunched up a lot more in that five to eight category. So, um, and be great to get your thoughts on, I suppose, how as a coach you would have approached that um, um, in terms of letting your player know that there's probably a couple of extra shots, but does that mean you need to substantially change the way you go about it or does, uh, or do you, do the same thing i'd be great to hear your thoughts yeah it's a great question and i, def- I definitely uh, noticed it as the tournament went on the five to eight category was huge and someone actually asked me the question now on, on our tennis menu daily show for roland garros um about that and said well what would you do differently well i probably wouldn't do anything different i think the, the key for me was it's still zero to four your point gets set up in those first four shots now the thing that was happening differently though was that fourth ball because it was a bit slower and there was more time was being retrieved and there was that one more ball, maybe two more balls. And I think we have discussed this as well, that I think the rally lengths were more around the five, six, seven than they were bordering on the eight to nine. And I think that's where I would have looked at going, well, to my player, the, the plan's still the same, but just be prepared to play the extra shot because your ball isn't traveling through the air as much or coming off the court as quick. So that they're going to retrieve it. You're going to need to play an extra ball here or there just to prepare them for that mindset and not to get too frustrated if they're not winning the points in those first couple of shots. So that would be the only thing that I would change. Game plan-wise would stay the same, um, although there'd be some areas where I'd say you might have the extra shot to play to open up an angle, or you might need to go an extra ball one behind them or, or stay on the same corner one more shot um, because the penetration was harder if there was no court space. But apart from that, it's, it's generally a mindset to say, hey, be prepared for this. Um, it's going to happen. You've got to be ready to play the fifth or sixth shot, um, you know, and don't expect to win it in the first, you know, two to three shots. Yeah, that's a, that's a key one. Um, and I'm glad you, you said that. I think if you look at the final, um, <laughs> it's certainly the men's final, but not to four was a, a key area that um, Nadal sort of won that battle. Um, one other thing, and we, we've talked about this in the past as well, but it's something that fascinates me on the sort of the mental side of the game and the actual physical side. One of the we, we looked at playing time versus dead time. Um, so at this year's Roland Garros, the playing time was twenty four point three percent, which means over seventy five percent of the time, the player is actually not playing a point. So as a coach, how what what are the things that you put in? in, in I suppose instill in your player. To, to help them sort of navigate that time where they're not actually playing a point and their mind can really get away from them? Yeah, it's a super question. It's a super topic. And I, I really want to dissect this as well one day in, in a future episode because I think it's critical um, that this number, it just shows the significance of thought processes. Um, and and I'll, to answer it in a nutshell is um, every thought creates an action. So you've got to teach from the inside out. And that's my main philosophy of coaching is coach the mindset to be able to coach the actions better. That's the first thing. The second thing is simulate the timeframes in your training sessions. Now, generally it's go on court, rally for 30, 40 minutes, you know, um, play some points out of the hand with no breaks in between. But all your training is the physical aspects of the game. 
you know, you have to train the mindset. You have to have that as a philosophy in your, in your coaching somewhere. It's about training what the thoughts are and then letting the thoughts create the actions as opposed to coaching the actions. You must coach the thoughts. And, and that is in a nutshell, hopefully summarizes what, what I generally do on the call, but it's about simulating what the game is asking you. And that is play for 25 minutes and think for 75 minutes, but also you're still thinking for the other 25 minutes, you're still playing because you're making really um, huge decisions on where the ball needs to be played and where you need to move to. Yeah. And one sort of KPI that we've at our different sports analytics that we sort of have flowing from this is the first point one after a change of ends. And, and if you look at the, the order of um, the players that did well on the women's side, Igor Schwantek, Sofia Kennan, Petra Kvitova were the top three. On the men's side, it was Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and Diego Schwartzman. So well, you can uh, you can see the players that managed it better, they got further in the tournament. Yeah, and this is one thing that you did bring up with me with one of my players over the Australian Open, and um, it was a huge difference in the way that we went about our first point. Um, and that was a, a huge thing. So from the change of ends through to the first point, our routines changed, and it made a significant difference to this player's results and outcomes, and obviously doing a great job of that. So it should create or help you create your philosophy, and it should be there to, to help you create your on-court plans and your on-court structures and your training sessions. Because the numbers are factual, you can plan around the factual information. And I think that's a, a critical component of coaching. And you continue to bring the numbers, mate. You continue to bring uh, what is, I guess, there for us coaches to be able to use and, and, and players as well. Um, obviously, the work you do with players like Anjabor, who had never obviously achieved the success she did at Roland Garros. But um, with obviously your data, and I know you, you're modest and you won't take much credit, but you know, it, it redesigns a coach's thought processes to be able to design the plans differently. And um, hopefully people that are listening to this show get a really good insight as to how you go about dissecting your numbers and obviously giving them to the coaches because it uh, makes a significant difference in results. So I want to thank you for your time once again, Shane. And um, that 25% playing time, it's always in my head. And, I, and you know, you, you always bring it to me. And I love that. Uh, I love that thought behind it. You can find Shane at Data Driven Sports Analytics. He's a massive part of the Tennis Menu's uh, program and he has his own package on the Tennis Menu called Crunching the Numbers, ironically, and it's uh, linked to basically what we do on this show. Gives you all the latest details and numbers of the game of tennis and he's all over social media. Um, he's all over the world. He's literally the man of the numbers. So, th- Shane, once again, thanks for your time and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, your players continue their successful route over the next couple of months and towards the end of the year. Thanks, Mark. And for our listeners, um, a bit of a treat. Uh, Isam Jalali, the coach of Ons Jabur, someone I, I work very closely with, um, he, he uh, spoke to um, Brett Phillips on the First Serve show this week. So go back and have a listen to that. That was a, um, an excellent insight into to how a tour-level um, coach works and um, and I suppose our, our collaboration using data to, to better Ons' game. So well worth a listen. That has been another episode of Crunching the Numbers. You can find me, Mark Zafoulis, at The Tennis Menu, www.thetennismenu.com. We have the ability to get a free subscription where you can find a lot of blogs, a lot of articles, a lot of data, a lot of different things for free. Um, And also, if you sign up for as little as $99 for one year, you can receive over 600 drills that can help your tennis game. And also, if you're a tennis coach, can freshen you up a little bit, obviously, coming out of COVID. We need some new ideas, so hopefully they're there for you. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Go to the First Serve, uh, where you can see all the latest podcasts they do have in the huddle, uh, Aussies only, and the weekly 
uh, series of uh, from Brett Phillips, who is absolutely amazing on uh, the show. And he brings the latest of the game and just goes down the route of everything that's happening in the game of tennis today. And uh, check it out. Go and check all of our uh, previous episodes. Hopefully you're enjoying what we're bringing to you and uh, hopefully you're doing well through these tough times. We love bringing you Crunching the Numbers. We will see you next week. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to all our weekly content, including past editions of Crunching the Numbers, as well as our dedicated commercial radio program each Monday on SEN that you may have missed at 7 p.m. Eastern, Aussies only, and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.